The gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's gospel beginning in the ninth chapter at the 30th verse. And Mark wrote these things. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh Lord, we know that you call the courageous and the timid, the anxious and the equipped and the unprepared, the powerful and the vulnerable, the wise and the wandering. Everyone is welcome in your family. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully your child. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. There's a story about a woman who had been trying for years to persuade her egotistical husband to change his ways. You see, he was obsessed with being number one. He never stopped talking about being first in sales at the office. He proclaimed that he was first on the list for the next promotion. He had to be first in line to buy tickets for the game and also the first to hit the parking lot after the game was over. But one day, this long-suffering wife watched with interest as he stepped on one of those fortune-telling scales. He dropped the coin in the slot, and out came this little fortune-telling card that read, You are a born leader with superior intelligence, quick wit, and a charming manner. You have a magnetic personality and are attractive to the opposite sex. Read that, he said to his wife with just a little bit of gloating. She did, and then turned the card over and said, well, it has your weight wrong, too. So Mark writes this morning, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And I think when we read that, it begs the question that must be asked. Well, just what does one get out of being a Christian 
a follower of Jesus anyway? Each of us has probably asked that question at one point or another. So I say, ask it again right now if you wish. What is the point of being a Christian? What good comes out of anyone's membership in the church? Where is the profit? What is the benefit? Well, we all have expectations. If we're honest, we expect something in return for our dedication. But you know, the pastor doesn't seem to come around much or seem to ask my opinion. And the church council struggles at times to have the proper direction, in my opinion. No one ever thanks me when I do something, so I need to wonder why. Why bother? What is the point? I give and I give and no one seems to care. I really think I'm being taken for granted. And maybe we are. Maybe we don't get the praise and support that each of us deserves. Saying thank you, you know, is more than just manners. It really helps. It makes me feel good. And then maybe I would be willing to do a little more. For a moment, wherever we find ourselves in this little description, let's just take a moment and feel sorry for ourselves. Let's admit it. Each of us has done what we feel we can do, and overall, it doesn't seem to matter to anyone but us. Enough? Now then, what do you suppose some alternatives are to feeling sorry for ourselves? We can wallow around down there a bit longer if you wish, but we've done it long enough now that we know it doesn't change a thing. The appreciation and the recognition that we long for hasn't shown up. We can pretend it doesn't matter, even though it does, and that helps a bit, but really only for a moment. So really, we can give up on the whole thing. We can withdraw, take a rest, or even decide to just quit. Some do, apparently, with little regret, yet, if that's the way you decide to go, please take this advice, just go slow. Drift away a bit at a time, that way you can adjust and the guilt will get easier to ignore. It's not quite, quite as honest to just drift away, but it is easier. But there is one more alternative, but I gotta tell you, it doesn't sound like much to offer. You're probably not going to like the sound of it any more than I do, but it is the teaching of Jesus. You must be last of all and servant of all, period, stop. So let's just admit it now, here and now, as only families can. None of us wants to be last. None of us likes that word servant because servants, they don't get a lot of thank you. Servants don't even get half of what they're really worth. Servants are chosen, sometimes even without their permission. They're just chosen. And servants live in the shadow of wealth but seldom sit at the table of wealth. Servants just serve. 
So the occasion seems straightforward enough. The occasion is another story that's unpacked by the storyteller we call Mark. Jesus, a man with no home of his own, is out walking with a group of his disciples, and they're wandering from one place to another, listening and talking. And in the poor peasant society of his day, it was a perfectly natural thing. However, at this time, these disciples, they are caught up in other issues, preferring to think about prestige and rank in their community and figuring out how they are going to help bring it about. But Mark's story is about Jesus. And it includes his passion of inviting others around him to just reimagine their world. He challenges them to enlarge their picture of God to include all of humanity and to enlarge their feelings of self to actually include their neighbor. So in a symbolic act, Jesus took a young child and set the child right in front of everyone so that they could see, and he put his arms around her. And to truly understand the power of this picture and the conversation that followed, we should not just think of children as loving and innocent. You see, at the time of Jesus, they were potentially non-persons. A child was nobody unless the father accepted it. It was commonplace and legal for children to be exposed to the gutter, left out to die, or to be taken by someone who wished to raise a slave. So right up against the disciples' desire for positions of power and acceptance, Jesus is suggesting, I think, that they should perhaps be more concerned with welcoming into their midst the poor and the extremely vulnerable. Reimaging their world by enlarging their feelings of self to include their neighbor. What a radical way to push the boundaries, the social boundaries of his society. For he goes on to state, and hear this this morning, that in acts of caring for vulnerable human beings, we actually come face to face with him and with the one who sent him. I think this is an extremely important story, and everyone should hear it. When you spend your precious time with children like these, when you teach them about me, love them because you love me, care for their needs, wipe their runny noses, make them smile and laugh because you are my servant. Do not expect a thank you from them. When one such child is received in my name, you have received me, and that is enough. Most of us, I think, would rather be advisor to the president. Maybe not. Some of us think that we have enough talent to make a difference in our jobs. If only the boss would listen to me. 
Most of us think that children are for parents to care for, even when we know that that's not really the way that it works. After all, a good percentage of your property tax educates children that you will never meet. Our offerings produce materials for children who come here for instruction, indeed who go to other places for or instruction halfway around the world. We care for others, often without thinking about it or even knowing of it. And then came that ultra-embarrassing question. What were you talking about on the way? You see, Jesus had been talking to them about his coming death. He even told them about the resurrection, but they didn't understand and they were afraid to ask him about it. But really, I think they were just too busy. Because something was happening with Jesus. They sensed it. The crowds did too. They were everywhere. And you know, Jesus is going to need help. He'll need diplomats and generals. He'll need a secretary of state, publicity, ambassadors, a cabinet, a vice president. And Jesus said, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men and will be killed. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. And they couldn't hear it. Not because their ears were stopped up but because they were thinking only of themselves. You see, they were ready to serve the king, but only the king, and not by stooping to serve the least. Just one other word for today. You need to know this. There is not one story in the entire book of the Bible, books of the Bible, where Jesus thanks his disciples. They were servants, chosen to serve. And they were to serve not for the sake of a thank you, but for the sake of Jesus. And I wonder, as he pulled that child into the midst of them, if he might not have been just a little bit worried because in Mark's story the disciples never seem to be able to get it and I have to wonder some if we get it today through all our pictures and conversations the question ultimately remains the same who is the greatest and it seems to me like we ought to be asking that same question and listening to the same answer. Amen.